This is Toastcaster, the podcast for Toastmasters. Your host, Greg Gazin. Episode 50, The Toastmasters Location Crisis. Growing up as a kid, one of my favorite shows was Batman, and it always ended in a cliffhanger. But I always remember the final words of the announcer. Tune in next week, same bat time, same bat channel. And that's the same for Toastmasters meetings. Or is it? That's what we're going to be talking today about on Toastcaster. Our guest today had a New Year's surprise. He had what could be described as almost a Toastmasters location crisis. Our guest today is Rich Hopkins. He lives in Denver. He's been a Toastmaster for 15 years, got his DTM this year. He's participated in the World Championship of Public Speaking. He's gone there twice. 2006, he came in third, respectable third. He has two books, Win, Place, and Show, and Go Ahead and Laugh. So, Rich, welcome to the show. Tell us what happened. Thank you, Greg. Well, you know, it was pretty amazing because we'd been planning this meeting for a month. You know, we'd specifically voted on whether or not to actually meet on on January 1st after not meeting, of course, on Christmas. And uh, we were ready to have a party. We were bringing in food had it half catered by one of the restaurants that one of our members works at. So we were all set to go. And then when uh, I drove up, I saw all the fences closed. Our club meeting takes place at an auto dealership. And here in the United States, auto dealerships are typically closed on holidays like January 1st. And this one indeed was 7 p.m., all the lights are out, everything's locked out, and suddenly all our cars start showing up in the freezing cold, wondering what we're going to do. So, yes, it was the meeting that almost didn't happen. So, what happened? We went back and forth for quite a while. We started uh, getting together and deciding, you know, where else can we go? There was a local McDonald's that had a small meeting room, but uh, wasn't exactly the most popular idea. We called up a local Whole Foods, which is a grocery retailer out here, and they typically have meeting space or at least a large dining area. We thought that late at night on a holiday might not be overly busy. But they were going to close too early for us to have a meeting. And we got extremely lucky because we have two new members and they volunteered their home to have us go ahead and have their meeting there. And the home was, of course, not that far away from where our meeting takes place. So we all caravaned over and had a wonderful New Year's Day party in a home setting. And it was a beautiful house. And Big living room, nice kitchen, so it all kind of worked out for the best. Almost, almost makes you wonder if that shouldn't have been the place to begin with. But I can I can totally relate. In fact, I read your blog post where you talked about this, and it was so ironic because a couple of days after you wrote this, in fact, it was just this past Monday, I had prepared to do the success leadership module, Effective Characteristics of of Leaders, Part 1. I show up early at the local library here, set everything up, 
Sergeant Arms comes in, sets up the tables. Next thing we find out, the librarian comes in and said, well, this room is booked for somebody else. Mm. And we had been in that room for over a year. What we discovered is that you first need to book online, but then you need to confirm. And that's something that we weren't aware of because a number of our members were away because it still was the holiday and some of them were had gone to places south and warm that were you know, 37, 40 degrees higher than, than where we were at. Now, in reading your blog, and as your blog puts it, it really begs the question, and it comes to Toastmasters, is, is your club prepared for a location crisis? Now, reading your blog, Rich, you had four really strong points that, you, that really hit home, that really resonated and really hit home with me, and let's talk about those. Sure. The first uh, point I had was be proactive, not reactive, which is uh, pretty easy to say in hindsight, but uh, <laughs> you, you want to be thinking. I mean, that's why we have a sergeant at arms for our club. They're supposed to be in charge of our facilities, which means they need to always be sure that our facilities are going to be open. Now, in this case, we had a fairly new sergeant at arms, uh, but at the same time, you know, it was not something any of us really thought about. I've been in for 15 years. You'd think I would know. Uh, you'd think anybody would kind of have that sudden thought that, wow, it's a major holiday and the car dealership won't be open. But we just didn't think. And so that's kind of one of the, uh, the things you have to start thinking about is actively think ahead. And that means everybody, not just the sergeant at arms, but the president. And uh, even if you're just kind of a member in the back of the room, if the thought comes to your head, be willing to say something. Well, not only thinking about whether the location is going to be available, but whether or not you can even get access to the building. I know the home club that I belong to, the they actually close at 4.30. Our club meets at 6 o'clock, and we do have special access to the door. But we actually have to have somebody stationed at the door. I know there's another club in town that they had some challenges because the only way for them to get access, because they're up on the sixth floor, is to actually hire a security guard. And that came after being at the same location for, for 10 or 15 years. So making sure that the location is open, but also getting access to the building. What's your second point? Second point was have a backup. And that means not having to sit around and wonder where are we going to go next, but actually having a, a secondary place that's kind of standard so that uh, the, the location is easy to secure uh, on short notice, or you may not even need to secure it. Maybe it's a restaurant. Uh, maybe it is somebody's house. And let make sure everybody in your club knows that that's where you're going to go. Uh, that way, it's just uh, something that you don't have to deal with in such an emergency situation. And one of the other points I made with that was perhaps use that backup three or four times a year have it be different enough from your regular location that it stretches your group a little bit and also keeps you in the good graces of wherever your backup is so that they are more likely to be available for you uh, in case you need it more than you're planning. Actually, that makes a lot of sense. So if somebody shows up at the location, it's locked. Okay, maybe they're down at the McDonald's down the street or maybe they're over at John's house. Maybe we should give them a call. Actually, that's a really good point. And and again, it's it's amazing how it's something that we just don't think about. One of the challenges you have is getting that information to the members or communicating with the members. Yeah, having a communication plan was point number three. 
And we, in the middle of making all these decisions, were calling our members, texting our members, putting information on our Facebook site to, if it, in case anybody was, was coming that may have been a guest or somebody from another Toastmasters group. You know, in this case, it was a holiday, so we didn't really have to worry too much about unexpected guests. Most people are not going to make the first day of the year their first uh, venture into a Toastmasters meeting. But any other time, you really want to find a way to let everybody know. And so that means having those calling lists, those mailing lists, and uh, even access to a sign that you can put on whatever door that guest is going to show up at, uh, telling them where you're really going to be. Yeah, I can certainly relate to that. I was, I'm was i from Edmonton and went to Vancouver, which is an hour and a half plane right away, showed up at a meeting. The meeting had actually moved. They didn't actually tell anybody. But you also brought up a good point. You just said putting that information on, on Facebook. And of course, there's free toast hosts in their club website. It's probably pretty amazing how many clubs have their that information that's either inaccurate, out of date, or not updated. Oh, absolutely true. Uh, and you know, even if you don't have an emergency situation, when you move and there's no communication, you know, I have more than once I've gone to a visit a club and I go and there's there's nobody there, and the receptionist or somebody there has no clue where that Toastmasters meeting has gone to. So that kind of takes it into a little bit of a different area of discussion, but the communication is crucial. And as a communication organization, we want to make sure that's kind of top on our list to <laughs> let people know what's going on. It's interesting because there's so many ways to communicate. You've got websites, you've got free toast hosts, you've got Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, text messaging, phones. I know when someone tries to reach me, it's amazing how many of my devices go off saying, where are you? Well, maybe I'm just a little busier, pre <laughs> preoccupied. I can certainly relate to that. I was just recently in a speech competition and I was looking for places to practice my speech. So I made a number of calls and yeah, I had a little bit of a challenge getting a hold of some people. One place I actually just showed up and ironically they had two speakers and both canceled. So I had some time, <laughs> I had some time to speak. Any other suggestions with respect to the communication plan? A communication plan is something you kind of have to have in place ahead of time. But at the same time, we are so connected that we were, you know, with smartphones today, you can pretty much do anything you need, even if you are stuck in a parking lot in 20 degree weather, uh, just by clicking a few buttons. But uh, also let your let your club members know that they might get contacted that way. Have them be looking and have their devices with them. Yeah, that's that's probably true. It would probably be a good idea to be on the agenda at the club officer at the executive meetings. Absolutely. Now, who makes those decisions? Who makes the decisions when you have to make a change last minute? Yep. Well, I would think ideally it would be your your president uh, kind of leading up the charges to getting people to discuss where to go. Uh, but uh, it depends on the culture of your club as to who's going to make those decisions. You know, we are a pretty laid back club. We kind of just held a vote and said, oh, yeah, well, okay, that'll work. And it, it all worked out. It wasn't really a terrible gnashing of teeth to make a choice as to where to go, especially when we suddenly had a nice home to go move to. But if you're trying to debate between going to a restaurant or going to a library and you're talking about distances, I can imagine it could get a little bit uncomfortable. And that's when a president really needs to step up and take that leadership position. Right. And of course, the outcome is going to depend on what the club members want, because I mean, yes, maybe you can find 
someone's wonderful warm home basement, lots of room and comfy couches, but maybe getting home after the fact might be challenging for some people. And there also might be people that maybe they just don't feel comfortable visiting in, in someone's home. Exactly. Or maybe they're expecting someone to pick them up after the meeting and they're not going to, they can't get a hold of them. I guess there's all kinds of different, different reasons. Yeah, you certainly can't plan for everything, but you can try to plan for as many things as possible. And that will make those exceptions fewer and farther between and a little bit easier to handle when you do end up with them. But that kind of goes into point number four, which is creating a flexible culture in your club, which just means, you know, having a feeling in your group that it isn't necessarily the end of the world if we have to make changes. I mean, changes is tough for anybody, especially last minute unexpected changes. But the more tight-knit your group is, the more people trust each other, the easier it's going to be for them to be able to move from one venue to the next, knowing that the environment of the club is still going to follow them regardless of the environment the meeting's in. I think this is both a communication and a leadership opportunity here for learning. Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) Maybe they should have a competent leader exercise on locations. (laughs) That might work. We could always use more manuals, right? <laughs> Let's not go there. <laughs> well, Rich, this has been pretty. This has been pretty interesting. I didn't think it was going to be a topic. I know you and I spoke on a number of different occasions, and I never thought that this was going to be a topic. But if you think about it, it would be pretty hard to have a Toastmasters meeting if you don't have a location. So I think it was a great opportunity to to start the new year. I, w- I was looking through your blog and I noticed that last year your goal was to read 52 books in 52 weeks. H- how'd that go? That was an adventure. 52 books in 52 weeks is a bigger chunk than I've ever tried to tackle before. And I made a list on my blog, uh, which is at speakanddeliver.com. And I hit 39 39 books, not quite all 52, but I did read 39 and I reviewed all 39 books. And it's a mixture. It's a mixture of approximately 50% speaking books and 50% uh, marketing business, fiction, historical type uh, reading. Just trying to get a little bit more diversified last year. Excellent. How about this year? This year, I've read three books so far. I haven't committed to any number or to reviewing, but I will probably continue my tradition of reviewing speaking books on Speak and Deliver. But uh, I really enjoyed last year, and it did expand my horizons. And I think every speaker really needs to be able to draw from a, a larger experience base. And by expanding what you read, you're going to have a lot more opportunities for fresh ideas and perspectives. Yeah, it's amazing. Just like this one for this podcast. Yeah. Yeah. I certainly never thought I'd be on a podcast about emergency meeting locations. (laughs) Unless you're a realtor, then it's location, location, location. That's right. That's right. Speaking of locations, Rich, where can people get a hold of you if they want to find out more about your blog, more about your books, or maybe even hire you to speak? Best place to find me is speakanddeliver.com. There's all sorts of information on there as how to get a hold of me, uh, either as a speaker, if you want me to come out and talk at one of your conferences. I've keynoted uh, many conferences throughout Toastmasters. And uh, I also do a lot of coaching uh, for emerging keynoters and even some contestants. Uh, I had 
the good luck last August to go to Malaysia as a semifinalist. And in my own semifinal was one of the people I'd been coaching the entire spring. So it can get adventurous and uh, very, very satisfying to be able to, to work with my fellow Toastmasters to help them in the contest as well. <laughs> the student exceeds the teacher. That's right. <laughs> Excellent. Rich Hopkins, thanks for being on the show. Check out Rich's website. This is Greg Gazin, Toastcaster, podcast for Toastmasters. You can catch us on iTunes. You can catch us at toastcaster.com. And if you've enjoyed our podcast, please go up on iTunes and leave us a rating, leave us a comment. This is Greg Gazin. Thanks for tuning in. Happy New Year. <laughs>